1: Here are your hosts, Brent and Chase Woolsey. Well, hello and welcome to the Smart Investing Show. I'm Brent Woolsey. Great to have you here on the Smart Investing Show. Gosh, wrapping up our shows for the end of the year, we only got a couple weeks left before uh, 2023 rolls around. We got a lot of great things to talk about here. Uh, You know, I actually looked at our sheets here. We've got a a pretty thick, it looks like a pretty thick uh, newsletter this uh, week coming up. And uh, these are things Chase and I talk about. If you want to kind of follow along and, uh get more detail what we talk about and, and uh more information on things. You can sign up for a newsletter uh at smartinvesting two thousand com. A great newsletter a lot of information. Chase I kinda went off track there a little bit, but I just uh I'm looking at this. It's like six pages today. Now I, I make mine thicker so the print's bigger but <laughs> <laughs> I, I just make it easy and I, I keep it the same font
2: as yours so it's uh it's easy for me to read those out do I, don't, I don't mind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But, uh, you know, we're always here to take your calls, you know, talking again about that first part of the show. We're going to go through some some big topics here. But, you know, you do want to join the show. You have a stock you're looking at, especially after a volatile week like we saw this week, several days of declines. Uh, I think, again, there's still some great opportunities out there. You have a stock you're looking at. Give us a call here, 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288. 0973 and, and we'll get to your calls here in about 20 minutes
1: or so Hey and you know Chase, one thing people should be doing now is kind of building a list of companies what to do kind of putting together you know different ones they might want to be investing in and that that's what that we have our list of what we're looking at and so forth and uh, that's one thing you should be doing as investors saying well yeah let me kind of listen to what who's calling in today what do they have uh, maybe that's a good idea maybe Brent Chase bring up something building a game plan there we go. I yeah,
2: know. Like yeah, yeah. It takes a lot of preparation. You yeah. don't just wake up one morning and be like, yep, let's do it. <laughs>
1: you know? Actually, there's probably people that do that. Hey, next, but yeah. they, they probably don't do very well. You got to have a plan. I mean, we always say before we invest in any company, for us, it's 10, 15, 20 hours of research. may take weeks, sometimes months before we invest, but uh, that's what we're doing for you here. Uh, on the Smart Investing Show as we take the calls. But let's talk about what, what went on last week. And uh, we're going to start off with, well, the big news is inflation. <clears throat> as inflation, as expected inflation continued <clears throat> Excuse me, to decelerate in the month of November, uh, I was thinking there was a small possibility we might, we just might see a reading of the headline number in the high 6% range. But the headline number ended up coming in at 7.1%. Now, this was lower than the expectation of 7.3% and below October's reading of 7.8%. As a reminder, the peak came in June with a reading of 9%. Some areas that stood out were eggs, which were up 49.1% compared to last year. Airfare was up 36%. Energy up 13.1%. Electricity was up 13.7%. And unleaded gasoline was up 9.8%, which I think is going to change going forward. Uh, Shelter was actually up uh, by
2: 7.2%. And and one item that hasn't been discussed much is that the U.S. has (laughs) actually had, pretty quietly, one of the worst bird flus in history. Now, i tell you what, that has an impact on the price of eggs. So uh, that's something that you got to kind of look through the numbers and understand. And also, too, as for energy... uh, I'm gonna go back real quick. It's not price gouging by these egg companies. This is this is so supply and demand. So don't think it's price gouging. These egg companies are terrible people driving up prices. No, supply and demand is why egg prices are up so much. And as for energy, I continue to believe next year the comparisons will be much more. Favorable, especially considering the index energy index fell 1.2% compared to last month, as gas prices actually fell two percent. And we've talked about this a lot on the show that again, we saw gas prices go from, you know, in the twos to the fours. We're not gonna go from the fours to the eights. That's right. not gonna happen here. So that's something to be mindful of. And then also to housing costs which make up about one-third of the entire index, well, that's also shown signs of cooling, and I believe they will be much more muted in 2023. Also, I want to point out that used car prices, well, they actually fell 3.3% compared to last year. And I bring out used car prices because think back to the beginning of the year. Used car prices were up 40% year over year in the month of February compared to the prior year. Hey, you got to
1: say that again because that, that, that's an amazing number. Uh, on used car prices. And I told people, don't buy used car back then. It's ridiculous. Yeah, again, 40%.
2: Huge increase. (laughs) Now we're down 3.3% year over year. So that's one thing, again. Look through the numbers. And and the thing that I'm going to point out here is I believe like used car prices, many of these categories that are extremely elevated, again, like the eggs, like the energy costs earlier in the year, I believe a lot of those will start to normalize next year, which will also help to reduce inflation. You're not gonna see things, in my opinion, that are gonna be up 50% year right. over year. You're gonna see a lot more, I think, consistency across inflation, where things are gonna be up in maybe the 10, 8% range, not 45, that, that is right. just crazy to see numbers like that. And my expectation is that for December, we will see a reading that shows a six at the front end of it, and for next year inflation, I continue to believe will be in the range of four to 6% for the entire year. I
1: believe this will bode well for the right stocks in 2023. And Chase, let's break that down a little bit for people because again, oh, you know, that that's not gonna happen. Inflation's gonna keep going up. That's an emotional thing. We, yeah. we look at what's going on. One, used car prices. They were up way above, I think you said 40%. They're only down, what, uh, 3% or something like that. Uh, remember this company, Carvana? Yeah. I was wondering, I don't know how many cars they have but if they do hit bankruptcy, there's gonna be a lot more cars on the market. Yep. The other thing that's happening too is that now we're starting to get e- new cars are coming out because they got the chips, the, yep. the supply is there. So people say, I don't want a used car, I want a new car now. Mm-hmm. So that's gonna be less demand on the used car side. So, so I think in 2023. When everybody else wants a new car, it might be a great time to buy a used car.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's something that you got to, again, look at all the numbers here and just understand how things flow through the economy. And and, and things are always changing. You have to be looking through the numbers, not just reading those headlines. Because Mm -hmm. if you see the headline, print 7%, yeah, that's not good. I don't want inflation
1: at
2: 7%. (laughs) But, again, we're looking forward. And, again, next year, don't get us wrong. Things will not be great. We're not going back to 2% inflation. That's not happening next year. I I don't foresee that. But, again, we're making improvements here in the economy, and things are going to be getting better. Right. So it's uh, something to consider that 2023, not going to be a great year. But I don't think it's going to be a bad year, especially when it comes to inflation. It's going to be much more muted than we've seen this year in particular.
1: Right. And, and, and one thing I want to look in a little bit deeper, I, I want to do it for the past week, I haven't done it yet, was the bird flu situation. Because mm-hmm. I it's that you said the worst in, in, in history, I believe you said. Um, what is going on with that? Because that's really causing problems for chicken, eggs. I mean, that, that whole category. Well, if people back off on buying eggs and chicken, which, you know, I like eggs and chicken. But it's going to change. But I want to understand more about what is going that What is prediction of it turning around? Is it going to be next week, next month, you know, next year? Uh, what caused it? Uh, how are they going to fix it? You know, so there's a lot of things behind there to determine when is this going to get better? Because it's going to do a lot of things with the economy. Because then eggs will fall from being up 49%. They may not go back to where they were. Yeah. But then they might fall 25%. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And uh, again, and that's a. Uh help to the right. cpi number because now you don't have
1: a huge increase you actually yeah. have a big decrease which will weigh down the the, the headline number yep and, and then lastly i do want to point out that uh i just want to bring this up again i mean i, I am very disappointed in the federal reserve i think oh, we're they talking have, about that next oh we are yeah well, let's do it. Okay. <laughs> okay. all right well let, let's go to the next the next topic here then uh, uh the fed report uh, marcus did not like what fed chair jerome paul had to say after the feds meeting Decision to increase rates fifty points or a half percent was widely anticipated. It brings the target level to a range of four point two five to four point five percent, which is the highest level in fifteen years. What the market did not like was a terminal rate or the point where the Fed expects to end rate hikes. It was higher than expected at five point one percent. I continue to believe this would be too high as the Fed will give the rate hikes and quantitative tightening more time to work through the economy.
2: Yeah, and again as a reminder, it's not just these rate hikes. The the thing that doesn't make as much news I'm gonna say is the Fed has been allowing a cap total of about ninety five billion dollars worth of bonds to roll off the balance sheet each month. And actually I you know this is something again that doesn't make the the big news here. But since early June, the balance sheet has actually declined about $332 billion. it's still very large, obviously, quite elevated. And the the total balance sheet now is about $8.63 trillion. But that's something that's kind of going on behind the scenes that's having an impact on interest rates as well. And and I believe that inflation will naturally continue to decelerate next year. And and again, a reduction in the terminal rate could occur in the first part of the year. So again, they're talking about this 5.1% level. But that still means we need more rate hikes next year but i'm still thinking that if we start to get that data that we're anticipating you could get a softer tone from the fed which again which would be beneficial for for the the right stocks and and the the market here
1: yeah and, and the fed has been in my opinion wrong yeah. so many times I mean, they were wrong back with transitory inflation uh, we said no raise rates now they didn't raise rates then they played catch up uh, now i think they're going too far on the other side they need to kind of step back and say wait a minute the policies we put in are, are working and this is a positive thing so let's not go too far because if they do they're not going to have that soft landing that i think we can have and when i i'm starting to hear as well which i don't like uh, Jerome Powell talk about he's not as concerned about the job market if he does, if he does destroy the job market then it's like game over you yeah. you you really he needs to go you have a truly hard landing at that point yes yes but i uh, but i believe at this point in time a lot of money in the economy we got a good job market Take your foot off the accelerator. Don't put it on the brake. Put it up, take off the accelerator so that you just maybe don't hike next time. Just And, and again, that's a big change. I think next time they're about a quarter point. I, I I don't see the point of even doing that. Things are going well. We've talked about, and I know this man has to be looking at what we're looking at, but so many things are down on the raw data side. The the corn, wheat, soybean, I say this all the time, rolled steel, uh, transportation. All these things are way down. What is he What is he trying to – you know, sometimes I think he's trying to be like, I'm like Paul Volcker. I'm going to be tough. Don't be tough. Be smart.
2: Well, and and we've used this analogy a lot, and I think it's really true for a lot of these Fed members is is they're driving 80 miles an hour down the freeway but watching the rearview mirror and they're not looking ahead. And they did the same exact thing with the transitory inflation was they were looking at prior data, not thinking through, well, oh, shipping costs are up. How's that going to impact the overall inflation picture? Oh, it's transitory. How in the heck could that be transitory? That's going to take so long for that data to work through the entire economy. Now we're on the opposite side of that. Well, Yeah, it's 7% last month, but going forward, as you said, all these things are coming down. Why aren't we looking forward? And especially, too, you talk about the amount of rate hikes that we've had this year. There is no possible way to truly analyze the impact those rate hikes have had on the economy, especially when you take into consideration all that liquidity that's still out there. There's no way to actually analyze the long-term impact of these rate hikes that they've done because it's been such a short amount of time. I just wish I said they would chill. Right. Hold on. Wait until we actually get some data. And you know what? You you could be wrong. Maybe inflation is more impactful next year. But guess what? The economy is a long-term game. We can still fix it. If we need to hike more at the end of next year because inflation is still running rampant, we can. But now you're going too far and you're again, risking that jobs market. You're risking the economy. You're, I think, putting way too much risk on hiking rates too fast without actually thinking through the process. And actually, we talk about patience. It seems like this Federal Reserve has absolutely no patience when it comes to hiking rates.
1: And I will say on the good side is that there's other members of the Federal Reserve that are saying, no, we need to stop. We need to stop. So uh, I can't tell what the number is. I read different things about this where there's a... uh, I think three or four that are saying, no, I think we're done. So hopefully they'll be more vocal now, <clears throat> seeing the inflation number that came out we just talked about, um, and realize that if we keep going forward, we're going to destroy the job market, we're going to destroy the economy. It's not what we want to do. I mean, And why do you want to hurt people that have jobs? It's just like, well, we need to take his job from him. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Well, and the thing that I look at, too, is that
2: people need to understand that there's basically two two impactful policy making de- uh, decisions that can kind of come in and actually control inflation. You have the fiscal policy and you have the monetary policy. Well, I believe that next year that fiscal policy, because now there's that divided Congress, I think that fiscal policy, I'm going to use my word here, is going to chill, Right. so you're not going to have that amount of money coming into the economy that, that has really blown inflation off the roof here. But the monetary policy, I think, has been trying to counteract that fiscal policy. But now I think they're both going to be can be quite neutral and and just let things work through the economy naturally rather than trying to kind of dictate things with this rate hikes, with the fiscal side pumping a bunch of money into the economy, just giving money uh-huh. away. I think that's in the past, which is positive. But I just I think the Fed needs to be careful of going too far too fast.
1: Yeah, I, I agree 100. percent And hopefully they're listening. And I will say he can be flexible. We've seen him change his yep. opinions before. Uh And I guess one thing, good thing he's still not saying, yeah, inflation is transitory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so <clears throat> he has proven that he will change his opinion. Uh And I think with the more Fed governors that are saying no, let, let's stop, I think he will say, okay, we'll we'll hold off. So hopefully in January. I think in January we'll see, and I think it's, I forget when it is in January, but I, no more than 0.25%. It'd be so nice to see, no, we'll, our job is done.
2: Because the, the terminal rate would mean there's about three more quarter point yeah. rate hikes, is, is, is essentially what we would see. And I just think. Ugh, that by the first part of next year, you're going to see inflation look different. And I I would not be surprised to see that terminal rate come down. Maybe they only do one, two rate hikes next mm-hmm. year, which, again, would be a big benefit. And, and you don't want to be caught on the sidelines. And, yes, things might still go lower in the market, right. but you don't want to be caught sitting in cash when Fed Chairman Jerome Powell and, – and look at how quickly the markets rebounded when the CPI report came out. But the oh, yeah. reason they went way down was because, again, he still stood strong. Right. But you can look how quickly things go up. The moment he comes out and says, oh, no, we're, we're done hiking rates, I I think you're going to have a
1: huge rally. Yep. Yeah, yeah. because on on uh, Wednesday, I think it was Wednesday, the CPI came out, uh, the futures were up like over 800 points on the Dow. And throughout the day, it kind of like di- dissipated. And then well, we'll see what he says the next day. And he just, you know, he brought uh, – uh, Said he was the Grinch. The Grinch, yeah. yeah the Grinch. I was, I was thinking of the punch bowl thing, but uh, <laughs> I got, uh, we'll use a, he It was a Grinch there. So uh, let, let's talk about the. Oh, and by the way, phone numbers here. Uh, we do have all lines open. You want to call in and talk about a company that you have looking at buying or have other investment questions? Feel free to give us a call here at 833 288 0973. That's 833 288 0973. And as always, that I get you through if you're unbiased no strings attached Put i'm opinion about what you want to talk about but let's talk about the job market because i continue to watch the jobs market looking at both past information and future information because i believe a strong market will keep a recession very mild will not even be noticeable i continue to hear from people that they're all seeing all these layoffs from tech companies but I talk about how there have been many companies that are hiring in 2023.
2: And actually based on a recent survey here, a nationwide staffing firm, LaSalle Network, said about 84% of companies it works with are planning to hire in 2023. This is roughly 20% higher than those planned to hire a year ago. The CEO, Tom Gimbel, actually says he has seen a 50% increase from last year in demand for salespeople. And this is a positive sign because when a firm increases staff in the sales department, they believe they have the room to grow. So don't just look at the headlines of 10,000 people being laid off and at some bigger at some of the big tech firms and think the entire job market is collapsing. Look at the overall economic job market because you actually can look that that people yes they may be getting loft, laid off at Meta or Amazon mm-hmm. but they may be getting picked up at. Uh, uh, this probably I happening, but Twitter or you know right. something uh, at a competitor, and there's other firms that are maybe uh, small to mid-sized that are saying we'll take some talent from right. Facebook. They they've got some knowledge from working there, right. so there is still opportunities to to fulfill those jobs. You're not depleting jobs, there, there's kind of a job transition is what I'm going to call it.
1: Yeah, job transition is good. And, and also, too, I don't think leisure and hospitality ever got back to where it was before, which uh, I, I still go out to restaurants and stuff, and they're just packed with people. They they, they don't have enough servers, and, and don't think servers don't make much money, because, again, we've talked about this before. I mean, servers now make 30 to $40 an hour, which is pretty good pay uh, even at today's uh inflation rate, but but things are changing. We got the the chip factories uh being built in what Arizona, uh, Ohio. Uh, there's a lot of good things going on, and the media will continue to try to talk about the negative because negativity news sells. We try to talk about what's going on with the investment side because we're looking at investing in businesses and we know this past week, like, oh, it was terrible, yeah, but it's because of what Powell said, he may come out this week we can say nothing or say, yeah, maybe things will change. And you're right. And people will miss that move up, you know, four, five, six 6% just in, in, in one week can happen.
2: Yeah. And, and again, we're very realistic with our, our investing philosophies. We know we're going to go down. Yeah. We know it's going to happen. But but you, you can't time it. And I see these talking heads on the, the news that say, oh, we're going down another 20% from here. And then after that happens, that's when we're going to start buying. And that's what, that is such a dangerous game to play because what if it goes down, when we've talked about this before, what if it goes down 15%? What it um, goes
1: down 19%? Yeah, what if goes
2: down 19%? <laughs> all of a sudden you're like, well, oh, it's almost there. I, I know it's almost there. And then it snaps back up to right where you were at. And now all of a sudden you're like, oh, well, now do I buy or is it going to go back down another 20? There, there's just no way to to time it. And you have to be okay with that volatility in your portfolio you have to be okay sometimes your portfolio is going to go down 20 and it's scary it's hard mm-hmm. i know But you have to look at the businesses, what they're doing, how they're going to get through it, because that down 20%, that's just a simple snapshot in time. It's not the value of the companies that you actually own, and and especially the
1: long-term value of those businesses. Yeah, and and that's one thing that people have to realize that, you know, like, oh, you know, I'm glad I'm out. Like, yeah, you're glad you're out. And I've said this many times. I want to keep saying it for people because I've seen over my 40 years, so many people make the mistake of getting out because the... You you feel that the, the badness of getting out like and you feel better. Oh, I'm so much better. But you'll never feel the time to come back in because it doesn't come on like a big wave as 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 things are bad news. So you you got to kind of realize that. So, but um, all right. So uh, the newsletter. I want to talk about the newsletter because again, I talked about it a little bit. But uh, this stuff we we get we do put in our newsletter as well along with other topics. Uh, other topics we have in the newsletter for this uh, uh this week was uh, we talk about farming. Uh, we would talk about video sharing, manufacturing chips, um, higher degrees. This was something that that was pretty amazing. I, I want people to kind of read. And we did mention retail sales as well and electric vehicles. So a lot of stuff in that news that uh, a lot of people get it, share it. You can get it for yourself. You don't need to have a share. Wait for somebody else. Just go to our website, smartinvesting2000.com. Again, that's smartinvesting2000.com. And you get that uh, free newsletter right there.
2: And and we didn't have time to talk about it today, but the the retail sales, I believe, was such an important report that came out this past week because the economy is kind of in an interesting spot right now like generally you know sometimes bad news is good news and good news is bad news in the right. market because of the fear of increasing rates but when retail sales came out that also pushed the market lower because now there was further fears of oh my gosh we are going to be entering a recession we, we still think we're going to hit a mild recession next year don't get us wrong but if you actually dig through the retail sales report y- you can actually see some numbers that that i think it was very calming in terms right. of the severity of, of the Concern of that report, it, it wasn't as bad as the media made it out to be, as always. They, they're a little over the top in terms of how terrible things are. You dig through the numbers in retail sales, and, and, and things weren't that bad. Still not great. Right. <laughs> that, that's the
1: theme of uh the show today. <laughs> not, not great, but not that bad. <laughs> not that bad, yeah. And, and actually, again, it comes back to that. Read that headline. You read the headline, oh, my gosh, retails are sound, or, or terrible. No, digging in the data, like, oh, well, wait a minute. That's not right. Yeah. Well, that's not that bad. That's actually pretty good. They didn't want to point that out. So, again, the, the, the media just constantly, uh, all media, it seems, wants to be negative all the time. It's just like, that's terrible for investors because you got to find the positive to say, yeah, I'm glad that the media is negative because it brought down the price of that company but I want to buy it because there's some good things there. Yeah, just very quickly, I I know we got Jim waiting there. Just a quick
2: comment is, in particular with retail sales, that the month over month was a decline, so that was the negative news. Year over year, is still an increase. Didn't keep up with inflation, but you look at the way people are spending. Goods? Yeah, we bought everything we needed during COVID. We don't need more computers, more phones, more... (laughs) Yeah. No, electronics, more furniture, all that was purchased. So, yeah, of course those sales aren't doing great. <laughs> but the service side of the economy is still holding up and doing strong. Right. If we were heading into a severe recession, I, I, you wouldn't be seeing that. So you got to look at the dichotomy between those two sectors in the uh, again the economy and, and, and see truly how the overall picture looks, not just, oh, my gosh, people aren't buying stuff anymore. Well, yeah, because people were
1: at home buying stuff
2: the last two years.
1: Right. And, and, and yeah, and there's stuff out there that you want to buy. You can't get it because everybody bought it already. Yeah. So you, you got to look at those numbers and read the detail. So, all right, phone number is 833-288-0973. Again, that's 833-288-0973. Let's go down to Chula Vista and speak with Jim. Jim, you're on the Smart Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
3: Oh, uh, yes, I'm interested in mosaic Uh I already purchased some in the low 50s. Now it's uh, down to 45 or so, and I picked up some more yesterday in the 44s, and uh, it seems to me they're giving the stock away at these prices. Hmm. Okay, well, the agriculture yeah, well, is obviously going to be big in the future, you know. I mean, uh, food shortages and so on.
1: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I like when they say they're giving the stock away because, I mean, that could be a good investment. So let's take a look at uh, Mosaic uh, Company, uh, not in corporate, I guess. So the symbols MOS in the military uh, that's a symbol for your job title MOS but I don't know why that came up anyways let's talk about the uh, company uh, their symbol is MOS uh, they're in the agricultural input uh, industry uh, shares float only 2.4% that's good institutional ownership 90.7 I see what you mean here uh, Jim the PE ratio only 4.4 4 versus 7.3 that means it would take you about four and a half years to get back what you pay for the stock which many companies it's like 10 times that amount so that's a great deal there price of sales looks good 0.9 versus 1.2 price to book value 1.5 versus 20.2 price to cash flow 4.9 versus 7.3 and the peg ratio very good 0.3 versus 3.6 now we do see earnings year over year we're up 118 percent that's very good the industry was up 162 percent The sales did climb by 68.4. That is better than the industry growth at 47.9. Now, you only get a 1.3% dividend versus 2.8 for the industry, but they only, Mosaic only pays 4.7% payout ratio versus 16.6 for the industry. So I think they could increase that dividend, which I think could help the stock out quite a bit. So I'd be kind of curious what the board directors are thinking about doing uh, as far as that dividend goes. Uh, we do see that uh, uh, the on the balance sheet the current ratio 1.3 versus 1.6. Yeah, that's below the industry, but I'm okay with that. Debt equity is very good, it's 0.4 versus 0.8. Net profit margin 20.2 for Mosaic, but only 16.1 for the industry. So that's a positive. Uh, return on equity thirty-two point two versus twenty-three point one. That's a positive. Gosh, I, I see a lot of good things for this Chase. Let, let's see what we got going forward. Yeah, well, it, uh, it is a uh, fertilizer company, so
2: it's uh, uh, you know it could be a little stinky, I guess. But oh, that, that, oh, I almost said something. I
1: almost cussed on air. So I've got to see that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I look at too is it, they do have assets that include phosphate rock mines in Florida, Louisiana, Brazil. We've talked about Brazil here on the show and uh, some of the issues in that country. Also to uh, Peru. So there's some some countries that that I always get a little bit concerned about. I'd just be curious how much of their product comes mm-hmm. from, from those particular mines. But uh, looking again here more at the numbers, the current price for Mosaic is $45.36. The high here, wow, $79.28. The low, $34.58. I see year-to-date here still up 16.6%. So it, it's done well in that time frame. Uh Market cap, good-sized company, $15.4 billion. Now you go forward to December 2023, I do see estimated earnings per share of $9.92. That gives you a phenomenal target sell price of 165 dollars four dollars and 67 cents so well above that current price of 45 36 one thing i do want to point out is this company i think is having peak earnings this year mm-hmm. so right now they're estimated to have eleven and eighty-eight cents for 2022 so next year they're looking for a decline of 16.5 percent then i can go out to december 2024 now you get less and less analysts so next year you have 20 analysts 2024 you have 13 analysts, but they're looking for another twenty-seven percent decline in earnings in twenty twenty-four. So I I have this kind of similar feeling with refineries, with oil companies, is what could happen is you get these very great target sell prices, but what happens in twenty twenty-four, the low estimate's three dollars and seventy-four cents, that occurs. Now all of a sudden that multiple goes from being three, four to now it's, you know. Sixteen, seventeen, right. and now you're like, oh gosh, well now it's not that great of a value. So you do have to kind of take into consideration those peak earnings right now are elevating the earnings, which is depressing that PE multiple. So you have to take that all into consideration. It's a tough act, and that's one thing that's very difficult with commodity-type companies is there's going to be big
1: cycles in the prices for those commodities. And, and actually too, I mean, I know energy is part of the fertilizer business and, and that's a positive going forward because energy is down. Now the thing is, is it going to stay down where it is? I don't believe oil's going to stay where it is. I think it's going to go back up. But you really want to look at this company and I would I'd be waiting to see the 2024 numbers and get more analysts on that. Because I like what I'm seeing, but you'd hate to buy this company now, Jim, and then you know, two months later like, oh, those earnings came down from I think you said nine dollars ninety nine cents. I'll call it ten. Uh, now they're at six. Oh, that's not such a great PE. So I I would be I like this. I like what I'm seeing, but I definitely want to be patient. Uh, and also to understand, you said about Brazil and some other countries, Peru, Peru, yeah. So you you got some risk there. That's that's probably why the PE is at, at four because that risk with the uh, other countries. I yeah, there. I
2: think it's more the the volatility <coughs> of the earnings, the volatility too. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it,
1: the, the earnings are just all over the place for for this this business if you look at the long term. Yeah, it's so, very cyclical. Yeah. So, so Jim, I was excited at the beginning because I saw those light, that nice little PE ratio looked really pretty good. And then again, and, and we only spent probably what three minutes here digging into this. We found some things that be very, very concerning. So, if we were to buy it, I, I was kind of considering it, and like, uh, I don't know, I think I a, do
2: like how simple the <coughs> business is. Though, I mean,
1: it's yeah, not anything fertilizer. complex.
2: You're gonna still need fertilizer. So, yeah. it, it's it's a good business, a business we'd be interested in. I just would need to get a little more understanding of you know, what's going to happen when you're not at peak earnings? Can they sustain, you know, decent earnings or is the the earnings just going to fall off a cliff? That could could be quite detrimental. I'd honestly look back over the last 10 years and kind of see how the earnings picture has changed each year because they may be having the best earnings they've ever had, but you can maybe see different cycles before where their earnings go up 50% and then the next year they fall 20, 30% and it it could just
1: be a very cyclical business, which is always difficult to kind of time in the market. Yeah, and, Jimmy, to get that low dividend, I wish that was a higher dividend, at least yeah. 25 to 3%. But, um, yeah, so uh, we're not saying to buy it now. We're saying kind of wait, see what goes on with it. I think you said you hold it. Is that correct? That's correct. Yeah. Is it a big part of your portfolio, percentage-wise? How much does it make? No. It? No? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd, I'd be a little bit careful with that. I wouldn't buy it right now. I'd, I'd kind of watch it, maybe learn more about the company, and maybe look at buying it maybe in uh, January, February. So, all
3: yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Thanks a so lot. Okay, Jim. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Okay. Bye bye. All right. That is over the phone line, 833 288 0973. That's 833 288 0973. I was going go to go to Gene, but I see Harrison there as well. So, so Gene, hopefully you're going to hold on for a couple minutes because I did want to talk to Harrison this morning because he's, he's talking about the sole proprietor. Or S Corporation Part 2. So, uh, Harrison, good morning. How you doing?
4: I'm doing well, guys. How are you doing?
1: Good, good. I saw the Part 2 here, so I, I said, well, gosh, I, I hope Gene can hold on with us here because I want to find out about Part 2. We did Part 1 last week, so you better get a little recap on Part 1.
4: Right. So, last week we talked about one of the tax differences between an S Corp and a sole proprietorship and why an S Corp can look more attractive because But the S-Corp, only the wages that you pay yourself are subject to that 15.3% self-employment tax. Um, The profit is not where if you're a sole proprietorship, all of your income is subject to self-employment tax. So today we'll look at it with a little bit different angle um, with something that is called the Qualified Business Income Deduction. So between tax years 2018 and 2025, so for the next few years, you can claim a deduction that is worth 20% of your income um, on the federal side. So if you are a sole proprietorship, we'll say and you have profit of 250 grand, 20% of that would give you a $50,000 federal deduction. If you have the same income, but you are an S corp and it's split, let's say 50,000 wages and 200,000 profit, and you want to use this qualified business income deduction, that's deduction only applies to the wages that you pay yourself or $50,000 so you get a much lower federal deduction Uh, it'd be $10,000 instead of 50 so this is another point where you have to look at well with the S Corp you get the savings on the Social Security and Medicare taxes but you also can then limit how much qualified business income deduction you're getting. Now the QBI is what it's called Um, it has different phase-outs so If you have taxable income above around $340,000 and filed jointly and your business is also considered a specified service trader business, which means it's it's in health, law, accounting, actuarial science, investment, consulting, and there's a whole list of them. If your business is one of those businesses and your taxable income is above that limit, then your ability to claim that 20% deduction just gets phased out. But this is also something that you really need Consider from a tax perspective when you're looking at, well, is the escort better or is the um, sole proprietorship better? In addition to that, between the, <clears throat> the way that you pay yourself, your wages, and your profit in the, in the companies, another component to look at is your uh, retirement plan contribution. So if you have a, a 401k or a SEP, your contributions with the sole proprietorship are based on your profit where if you're an S corp, it's based on your wages, which are you know usually lower. So in some cases, if you're a sole proprietor, you can put more into a retirement plan, which gives you a larger deduction on that side as well. So, you know, it, Every situation is different and complex, but you need to understand these different layers of taxation when you're looking at your business, where you are in your own tax brackets, um, how your business is set up, what the growth is, and and ultimately how you should structure it to, to pay yourself to avoid the most taxes.
1: And, and here, I have a question for you here. I, kind of two questions, or statement and a question, I guess. Uh, I think it's very rare for a financial planner to kind of look at someone they come in as a small business and say, you know what? Have you looked at doing a, a sub S corporation versus a sole proprietor? I think a lot of times financial planners don't really focus on that. They just focus on the estate, the insurance, selling product, and so forth. And the other question is that may not be for you. Maybe for the tax uh, tax preparer, tax uh, CPA uh, would be. Is there a number like that you look at going from a sole proprietor to a sub S corporation? Like, is it twenty thousand? Is it fifty thousand? I mean, is there a number that you start saying, yeah, you should probably switch over to S Corporation?
4: You know, I, there there might be a number. I'm not sure what it is because in every situation we break it down and look at it because it's not just the income amount that, that retirement component and the contributions also really factor into it. For example, you know, if you're trying to stash as much away as possible into retirement accounts, then you want to have either higher levels of wages or sole proprietorship so that you can contribute more profit sharing and then maybe you have a spouse that's part of the business and you're going to contribute to them as well so you get those deductions. Um, I would say usually S-corps are more favorable than sole proprietorships from a, a tax perspective and, and usually there's some wiggle room in how you can structure it. But um, again, it's how much are you trying and save through retirement, what is your income, Um, Is your spouse involved? Do you have employees? What bracket are you in? Uh, And then, you know, that just looking at those, since there's quite a few considerations will tell us, well, which one really looks attractive for for the person. And, you know, the other thing is with this QBI income, this only lasts for, um, you know, through 2025. So, we've got, you know, just a few more years of that where the S-Corp self-employment tax, avoiding that is always going to be
1: so, again, uh, no easy answers. That's why it takes you two or three hours <laughs> when people come in for the for the our initial uh, appointment that you do for the financial planning side. Harrison, thank you very much. Uh, have a great weekend. We'll see you on
4: Monday. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll see you Monday.
1: Okay. Bye bye. Again, that's our financial planner, Harrison Johnson. Uh, give him a call at the office, 858 546 4306. That's 858 546 4306. Or go to the website, Smart Investing 2000. Dot com That's smartinvesting2000.com. You can contact him there. But, again, he is a financial planner that, that I, I think is the best in San Diego. Uh, we've had a lot of other people that were at other financial planners that came to Harrison. They go, wow, my guy never covered that. and Oh, we're this about, is financial planning. Yeah, this is financial planning. We'll talk about some well-known other financial planners. And they go, yeah, my guy didn't do that. My yeah. guy didn't do this. Yeah, so, I mean, he is I, the best in San Diego. If you don't believe me, check it out yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Eight five eight five four six four three oh six. I almost gave my cell phone number. <laughs> <laughs> Work number is eight five eight five four six four three oh six. I'm I'm not very sharp today because we had our, our Christmas party last night for our office. I think I ate too much. I think I drank a little bit too much. I didn't sleep that well. So I'm not as sharp as I usually am. So uh
2: I know I, I haven't been eating sweets, but I had a couple of cheesecake bites and yeah, yeah I had people bring you cookies and Sweets
1: are almost worse than alcohol sometimes. Yeah. And I have like a sugar hangover. <laughs> oh, and we and I had that steak, and I was like oh, full. Yeah. I went to bed with a steak, and we had those big crumble cookies. They were, I mean, yeah, and I I think I had a lot of sugar. So I'm just kind of like <laughs> I, I'll, I'll probably crash later on today. <laughs> so all right, phone number is eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. That's eight three three two eight eight zero nine seven three. As promised, let's go up to Oceanside and speak with Gene. Gene, you in the Smart Vegetable Brent Chase, how can we help you?
3: Well, uh, good morning, and um, I haven't called you for a long time, but um, I looked at something here the other day on uh, the TV, and it's uh, Palantir Technologies. The only thing that I know about it is it's powering hospitals. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a tech giant, and um, Cleveland Clinic partnership. And uh, clinic deal builds and um, deploys now uh, that's all I got
1: okay well I and, and good to hear from you Eugene and I, I saw the company Palantir and it's like I'm not looking at this company a while it is in a software infrastructure industry I do see kind of a higher float here it's a 7% by the way their PE oh, not their PE there See, see how sharp I am today their their symbol is a uh, PL It's a ticker symbol, P-L-T-R. Institutional ownership, only 35%. Gosh, I wonder if this is a small cap company. I've seen the name before. Uh, We do see no P-E ratio versus 38.6 for the industry. Price of sales, 7.7 versus 6.6. Price of tangible book value, very good, 6 versus 133. Price of cash flow, 59 versus 22 and the PEG ratio, 3.6. That's above the industry at 1.7. You want that number lower, not higher. Um, I show no earnings growth of the last year. The industry does have industry growth of 11.3%. We do see sales were up 27.9%. That is better than the industry at 21.7. Five-year earnings per share growth, 27.4 for the company versus 14.5 for the industry. They do not pay a dividend. Taking a look at the balance sheet. A lot of liquidity here. Current ratio, 4.3. Quick ratio, 4.2, which tells me a lot is in cash and short-term investments. Not sure why it's that high. Industry at 1.8. Debt equity, 0.1 versus 0.8, so very nice balance sheet. Net profit margin, though, unfortunately, a negative 30.6 versus a positive 16.8. And return to equity also not looking good, a negative 23.5 versus 40.7. Chase, what can kind of you tell us about this? Because it's kind of a strange-looking company.
2: Yeah, I mean, the, the company is interesting. I, I remember looking at it, uh, gosh, a, a while ago. But the, the thing that I always found interesting about the business is it actually splits revenue between commercial and government customers. So mm. sometimes that government revenue is nice because it's, um, I'm going to say, a little more stable. You right. know, during recessions, the government still generally spending money. So uh, I, I do like that about it. They, they do work with the defense sectors, it looks like, the, the medical sectors, as you kind of discussed. So I, I I'm just curious, I guess, more on, on who that customer base is. Who are they helping? Who are they trying to expand into and, and reach as well? So this is a growth stock. I'll kind of share with you a little bit more as we progress through the numbers here. But the current price for Palantir, $6.90. 52-week high, $19.45. The low, $6.44. Uh, decent-sized company still. Market cap, $14.3 billion. So it's not a small cap, or it's not in nah. the hundreds of millions right. or anything like that. It's still good-sized business. If I go forward, though, for the company, I do go out to December 2023. I see estimated earnings per share of $0. $0.17. It would give us a target sale price of $2.82. I mentioned it's a growth company. I see that's estimated growth from $0. $0.05 this year And then, again, less analysts, just 11 analysts for 2024, but they're looking for another 36% growth earnings per share in 2024. So one thing that could happen with this company is they could grow into a a reasonable investment here. And and what I mean by that is we will be looking at 2024 numbers, you know, starting next year. You you might be able, if this stock still kind of languishes and perhaps those earnings per share go up for 2024, you, you might find this as a opportunity, but but right now, it's it's still just too expensive for us, and you know you might miss it, but it, it's it still doesn't
1: fit that that value build that we like to buy. And what they do, Gene. Too. Is sometimes you're waiting for these growth companies to grow, grow into their value, so to speak. Competition can come in, yeah. and I'm not sure what Pelletier does, but they can come in with something else. Like, oh, well, now it's not worth that, and you were waiting, waiting for the growth, and competition came in and, and took that away from you. So I I, I don't like the company. I we don't like growth companies for that reason. But, uh, yeah, I would have to say, and I, I forget you said you hold it or looking buying it uh,
3: i I'm thinking about uh, buying it, but um, the problem is is that I don't know, know anything about it, and that's why I called you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an idea um well, let's see there is um the one that I looked at uh, when I was watching the uh news um on um m s n b c um they were talking about uh I think it was the c e o of the company, and um, at that time it was about seven dollars a share.
1: Right, right. I, I, and, well, and based on what we see here, I said, you, you, like you don't know much about the company. Uh, based on the numbers, I would say it's not worth spending more time with the company. There's other things I think we mm-hmm. better kind of look at, and and I would kind of recommend to move along from Pelletier here.
3: Yeah,
2: you always come back in a year or two and see where things are at, but yeah, for the time being, yeah. it, it's still just pricey.
1: Yeah.
3: All right. Okay. You guys have a great uh, weekend.
1: You too, Gene. Thanks for calling. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. That's open the phone line, 833-288-0973. That's 833-288-0973. Listen up to Oceanside again and speak with Joe. Joe, you're in the Smart Show, Brent Chase. How can we help you?
0: Hey, guys. Uh, happy holidays. Yes, it is
1: holidays. got big plans this holidays or what?
0: Oh no! Holidays—they don't mean much to me. They're just more crowded and everything. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but I, I know you don't spirit. like all my stocks. Oh, go ahead. What were you saying?
1: Oh, I just said that's the spirit, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear
0: you say Grinching here uh, earlier. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I
1: almost said that to you, but now we're we'll watching.
0: <laughs> I know you don't like um, most of my stocks or a lot of my stocks, but I know I think I know you like this one. But uh, you know, Intel. You know, they've had a they've. they've uh, People always been wondering if they're going to fall. You know what's going to happen with them. I know they got a lot of money, and all this stuff, but you know they just uh, they just haven't been. So I'll get your take on. It. I know it's <laughs> a positive, probably, but.
1: Yeah, They haven't been performing. Yeah, they're,
2: they're right, down right,
1: yeah. for they, sure. They, they are down. And virtually all the chip companies are down. What you kind of look at is like, do they still have the balance sheet? Do they still have the cash flow? Do they do have – are they doing things, get out of that, not saying what they did in the past to do well? So we'll look at the numbers, talk about the company a little bit so so other people understand what we're talking about here. And, and what I'd like to see – again, the company's Intel, symbol INTC – there's not much float on the company. It's still only 1.6%. So that does not—that means that there's nobody that thinks the stock's gonna fall, because they're not shorting the stock. Uh, we do see 62.4% institutional owned. PE ratio only 8.3. That's half the industry of 16.8. Price to sales 1.6 versus 4. Price to book value very good 1.7. The industry's at 460. And price of cash flow is 8.1 versus 12. So you you got some good valuations for Intel. What we do see on the downside for Intel, their earnings per share last year are down 37%. Industry was up 38.8, and their sales were down 11.4. When the industry was up 14.5, you do get a very nice dividend from Intel while you're waiting for the stock to go up. It's 5.4%. They only use 44% their earnings to pay that out. Uh, they have paid that dividend for seven consecutive years. Look at the balance sheet, you got a current ratio of 1.8 versus 2.7, that's good. Debt to equity for Intel is actually lower than the industry. It comes out with 0.4 versus 0.6. And the net profit, uh, net profit margin for Intel is 19.1 versus 23.5. Return on equity, 13.3 versus 27.3. Uh, so I mean, the numbers look pretty good for Intel. The big story is going forward, and we're really kind of waiting for next year to see what 2024 is like.
2: Yeah, well, let's start here. Current price for Intel, $26.92. Uh, here's what you're talking about, Joe. 52-week high, $56.28. So we, we know it's been beaten up this year. Uh, right near the 52-week low as well, $24.59. See, year-to-date down about 45%. Uh, Going forward, though, for Intel to December 2023, I see estimated earnings per share of $1.97. It would still give us a target sell price of $32.70, but this is kind of what Brent was talking about. Right now, there's 37 analysts on 2023. Starting next year, you'll start to see more of those analysts start to provide numbers on 2024. And Currently, that estimate for 2024 is $2.72, which would be a about 39% gain from 2023's number, and and the forward PE on that's around 9, 10 times earnings. So that's very, very attractive. What's interesting about Intel is this stock could become a growth stock. Sounds crazy, Mm -hmm. but it very well could. And the nice thing is you're getting nice value with it, and you could have potential growth down the road. And I, I think Pat Gessinger, the CEO for Intel is phenomenal. I think he's doing a great job. It takes time to implement his his processes in the company though, but I, I think everything that he's discussed is, has kind of come to fruition. And I think he's really on top of the semiconductor space because remember, when the whole semiconductor shortage was happening, he's like, this is gonna take a while. And other people, oh, it's six months. <laughs> right. But I think he really understands the business and I, I, I truly believe he's the right man for the job. the nice thing is it's not just like oh well you know it's hope and pray you still have the numbers to back that up with a good ceo and i think he's got a good plan in the foundry services and and also he's talked a lot about the five nodes in four years which Mm -hmm. was a big problem with intel under bob swan the the prior ceo who was a cfo was non-engineer like pat gessinger so a lot of information
1: there for you joe but but (laughs) i i still like intel yeah and and intel does have the financials to get through they got the cash flow They've got, you know, a good balance, balance sheet. Yeah. And also to in the meantime, investors get to collect that five point four percent dividend. So uh, and when we buy businesses in our portfolio, Joe, we're only always looking down the road three, four, five years. That's probably the play with uh, Intel here. It's not gonna turn around next week, next month, but we like it. And while you're waiting, you get that again, that nice dividend. So it's 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 and let, you know, it's been kinda hard in our portfolio, been disappointed with the company, uh, with a stock, not the company. Yeah. Uh, and they got a Big boost from from like everybody from COVID. All the the laptops were were sold. Well, now that that kind of dried up for them. So now they're working on phase two of the building the the foundry business there. Mm-hmm. So, already,
0: you know, as long as long as the other um, you know semi companies don't keep out doing them, you know.
2: Yeah, and, and that's a that's a big thing. But the interesting too is they've talked about working with Nvidia on their yeah. foundry business, and it, it's it's something if they can make that pivot to a foundry and, and effectively hmm. do it. The only real big foundries out there are Taiwan Semiconductor and Samsung. Right. There, there's no true American foundry company out there that, that can compete. If they can compete against those, I, I think that really gives them a leg up. And, and also, too, it's kind of funny you go back over the, you know, the last 20 years. AMD and Intel have kind of always been battling mm-hmm. back and forth, and, and AMD is in the lead right now. But sometimes it's nice to buy the company that's not in the lead because if they can change that, then that stock can do quite well.
1: And let's you know too. That's uh, a big if. Yeah, yeah. that's a big I, if. But I,
2: that that's where the the belief in Gesinger comes in, and, and the the capital that they have allows them to to
1: to compete. Right. Now I was kind of disappointed that uh, Apple did choose Taiwan Semiconductor over Intel. Maybe Intel wasn't ready for for that yet. But I was kind of hoping when they were talking about that that it was going to be Intel, not Taiwan Semiconductor. And I still get worried about Taiwan Semiconductor with the China situation. So I think Intel could be the superhero down the road here.
2: Especially they're they're working not just in in the U.S. They're building foundries in Europe as well. Yeah. So I mean they're they're I think really trying to diversify that foundry business all across the globe and trying to pull some of the manufacturing capacity out of just the Asia area, yeah. which yeah. which I think is a big potential risk to companies, and I think companies are starting to realize that. Yeah.
0: So Joe, you yeah, I'm hoping they do well. You know, because I end up picking up some on Friday.
2: A Good time to pick it up, no, I think. Yep. I was going to ask you. Yeah, I, thought so, I
1: thought so. <laughs>
2: <laughs> nice five five 5.4% dividend. That's a nice nice yield there.
1: Yeah. Well, Joe, we, we yeah. are going to wish you a Merry Christmas. We hope you have a good Christmas. Get a little, little spirit there. Go out there. No some ball stuff. humbug. Right. No ball humbug.
0: Oh, uh, no. There's no ball humbug here. I bought my own uh, Christmas present. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, Merry hey, buddy, Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are busy, so I'll let you go and, uh, you know, the best two you obviously all right
1: thanks joe have a good one okay bye-bye all right that is open the phone line 833-288-0973 that's 833-288-0973 and 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 chase i did want to kind of compare a little bit the the previous company pelletare versus intel and and the reason why i was saying with with pelletare like uh You know, the growth is not maybe not there. You could lose and so forth. It doesn't have the financial foundation that you can feel comfortable with. With Intel, it's got the good balance sheet. Mm -hmm. It's got the the cash flow. It's got a nice dividend. Um, Maybe you'll have a bigger hit if Pelotero hits, but I think Intel is a much wiser play.
2: Yeah, and that's how we invest, too, is we're not trying to to find companies that, that are the next big winner, but we're not also just buying deadbeat companies that, right. that are are kind of dying, I'm going to say. Right. You know, we always say the Polaroid camera, for example, where, where Intel, they're going through this restructuring. They have the capital to invest in the business and, and implement this restructuring plan that can r- return them to a growth profile. And, and it reminds me several years ago. I mean, we've talked about the comparison with Microsoft or even Apple. Apple, several years ago, was both a value company and mm-hmm. a growth company. We, I held, think it. we, we did. held it. We did. Yeah. We did. And we've held Microsoft in the past as well. Yeah. And the thing is, I think Intel could potentially fit that that build in 2023, perhaps 2024, where now it's, it's again, growing double digits on the earnings, potentially on the sales as well. That's a great growth rate. Mm-hmm. And you're still getting a great value for it, plus a great yield. I, I mean, there is a lot of potential in Intel but guess what the downside it it could be more There, there could be more negativity out there if you know we do hit a recession and so forth next year could weigh on semiconductors even further on the computer chips on the servers and so forth but I think you look, again, 2024, 2025, we know we've had this discussion a lot. We need semiconductors. They're not going anywhere. They're actually being used more and more in everyday <laughs> life. We need to to have that capacity grow over time, and I think it's a great stock to be patient with.
1: Right, And, and actually, we've got some big things coming up for our company next year. Uh, but we're looking at, well, for our company, the same thing we look for companies to invest in, we don't expect to have it pay off in, in six months. We look down the road, two, three, four, five years. That's how we invest the same way. We're looking for business that can do well two, three, four, five years down the road, which these are things we did back three, four, five years ago that are benefiting us now that we don't have this big downcline like everybody else had. And that's so important because when you have that big downcline, it takes a lot to get out from that. Or if you're down, you know, five, six, eight percent, oh, well, okay, it's you don't like it. But you don't have to do that. And those are just examples. I'm not saying we're down those numbers. Yeah. I don't want to get in trouble with the SEC. I mean we're not we're not giving out our performance. Yeah. Uh but I'm just giving you an example. If you're down twenty percent versus down ten percent under that, it's a lot harder to get back from twenty percent than be down ten percent. <laughs> All right, I was just looking at
2: Kathy Wood. She's, She's down still sixty five percent year to date. Did you hear
1: she bought more, more Tesla? Tesla. Yeah. I, I I mean, you gotta give her credit for that. She definitely is tenacious. Yeah,
2: she, and I think she's been buying, and it's funny, she she steps in and buys more. Like, she stepped in and bought more Coinbase uh, earlier this year. Coinbase oh. just hit another 52-week low. Yeah. And it's like, I just, uh, she's, we I could, don't know.
1: We could short her is what we should do. There's yeah. a fun now that that's oh, short ARC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that probably doing very well. It has done well. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go uh, real quick. I just looked up. I thought we had more time we did. Uh, let's go to Val in San Diego. Val, you in the Smart Investor Brent Chase. How can we help you?
3: Yes, I am looking at the uh, offshore oil transport uh, business. And uh, in that connection, the t- company that intrigues me uh, is not really a transport, but it's an exploration business. It's called Interocean. The, uh, the symbol is RIG, R-I-G.
1: Oh, okay. We, we, we got the, the wrong symbol there. Let me just change that over for you. Yeah, because you had something different there, and I was going to say that's, that's good. Uh, and TransOcean's been around for a long time, so let's go quickly over the numbers here for you. Uh, TransOcean. It's
4: InterOcean. Uh, what's that? It's InterOcean.
1: Okay, well, actually, when you said Rig, R I G, comes up TransOcean. Okay. We got the go wrong ahead. symbol? Is that.
2: Yeah, I'm seeing it as trans-ocean on both my sources
1: here, so. Okay, yeah. it's it's rigged. R-I-G. Okay, good, okay. Uh, oil and gas drilling, wow, uh, float uh, on the short 18.5%, institutional ship 583 no P-E ratio, same as the industry. Price of sales, 1.1 versus 0. 0.5, that's not good. Price of change of book value, 0. 0.3 versus 2.0, that could be positive, but you gotta understand what those uh, assets are. Price of cash flow, 6.4, same as the industry no earnings per share growth, sales growth down 1.3%, Uh not as bad as the industry down 31.7, they do not pay a dividend. We do see a balance sheet, current ratio 1.6 versus 1.8, that's good. Debt to equity 0.6 versus 1.3, that's a positive. Net profit margin, a negative 20.5% versus a positive 7 And negative return, on equity of 47 Chase, you got any earnings over there at all or anything?
2: Yeah, it's kind of real quick. Is the current price $4.28? The high $5.56? And the low $2.32? Year-to-date, it's up 55.1%. Definitely a volatile stock. It's an okay-sized company with a market cap of about $3 billion. But I'm very surprised by this. So, out to the next year, December 2023, I see estimated earnings. At a loss of 18 cents. Yeah. And with the price of oil right now, how the heck is this company not able to turn a profit? I, I'd really have to dig through the financials here because that, that makes absolutely no sense. If you can't turn a profit where the oil price is where they're at right now, oh gosh, I, I well, don't know. Ever if, turn a profit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. So i uh, got to really look through their expenses and you know, maybe it's some non cash expenses and their cash flow is okay. But um, yeah, I, I don't like it. Yeah. Sorry,
1: yeah. And I don't say no. Alright, this is closing bell. Thank you for listening to Smart Investing Show. It is for information person only. It should not be used as investment advice. If you'd like to discuss some more detail your investment needs, have other investment questions, feel free to call myself Brent wilsey or Chase wilsey at 858-546-4306. That's 858. 546 or visit our website smartinvesting 2000com that's smartinvesting 2000com a lot of great information there like the wet like the uh, newsletter sign up for it there again smartinvesting 2000.com have a great uh, a, a great weekend and we'll talk more here on the smart investing show uh, next week
0: Today, I did all that I say